Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in week two of our sermon series called What God Wants Most. And what we're doing in this series is we are spending five weeks examining one of the most important and foundational themes in the Bible, to learn. But even more than that, hopefully to experience what the Bible has to teach us about what it is that that God really longs for. So last week, what we uncovered as we delved into the seven days of creation is that amazingly, the reason why God created all of this, the reason why God spoke the cosmos into existence, is because what he wants most is a relationship with all of us. And that on day seven, we learned about how God resting on the Sabbath was not just about God taking a break because he was tired, but about God taking his place among creation is the ruler of all things, or God, instead of remaining up there, coming down to be in his creation as someone who wants to be with us. And then on day six, when God created human beings, he didn't create us to be his slaves. And the reason why that's significant is because in the ancient world, when this story was written, that's the way people thought. That's the relationship that people thought that they have with the gods. But here, this story proclaims to us that our God did not create us to be slaves, but instead partners or beings that join him in his mission of caring for and overseeing the world. Which put into perspective that that from the inception of the world, the creation of our reality, the beginning, what God wants most is a deep and abiding relationship with us. And if that doesn't take your breath away every single time you hear it, then you don't get it. You really don't get it. Because it is that big. In fact, it, I would argue it doesn't get any bigger. Now, this is a theme that only continues to get better as we walk through the rest of Scripture. So today we're going to be examining the Adam and Eve story and the fall and then how God responds to that. So Genesis 2, 4 through 9 begins. And the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, And no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now, what I want you to notice in this story today for our purposes is that when God created Adam, and this is an amazing moment, right? He forms and shapes the dust and he breathes into him the breath of life and he becomes this living being is that God puts him in a garden. And the reason that's significant Because in the ancient world, a garden was oftentimes a euphemism or a way to talk about a place where everything is as it's supposed to be. Or for some perspective on this, just imagine being in a big, luscious garden full of trees and plants of every kind. 
You guys have been there. You've been to those places that it just kind of takes your breath away. Not only when you're in that place are you surrounded by God's beauty and wonder and majesty, which is magnificent, but in some of those places you're surrounded by every single thing that you need to survive and enjoy life. So here, garden is not just a reference to any kind of garden. No, this is a reference to a paradise, a place where everything is as it's supposed to be. Then what we find God doing after he puts man in this garden is he gives him a purpose because human beings, we need purpose. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till and to keep it, which is just another example of how God created man to be his partner, helping him to oversee and care for his good world. Next, we find God in an attempt to make this paradise even better, like you can make paradise better. But apparently you can because the man is alone. He takes half of the man and he creates this being that is so incredible that she is just called what comes out of Adam's mouth the first time he sees her. Whoa, man. <laughs> slow burn. It takes a little bit. It's slow. At least you guys laughed. The first service didn't get any of it. <laughs> so that's my one attempt at humor today. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. So now the picture becomes... You have a man and a woman as God's partners living together in paradise, which he has created for them. But what makes this place even more amazing than all of that, and this is the part I really want you to get, is that in this garden, in this paradise, humans actually kind of have a face-to-face -face relationship with the creator of all things. Right? Genesis 3a kind of gives us a hint in this direction. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Or part of what it means to live in paradise is humans have this kind of face-to-face. -face. We don't really understand what it looks like, but there's something more going on there in the relationship that God has with his people. Which means, just like in the seven days of creation, which we talked about last week, the picture that we're given in the Adam and Eve story is that the reason why God created all of this, the reason why God created us, is because what he wants most is a relationship, right? That's what the garden is all about, where he will be our God and we will be his partners in overseeing his good world. But then, as you know, the way God created the world to be in the beginning didn't last very long. And the reason it didn't last very long is because God created humans with free will or the ability to make choices themselves. And the choice that Adam and Eve made in the garden, which by the way is not just the choice of Adam and Eve, it's a choice we all make, is instead of choosing to remain in relationship with God as his partners or trusting that God knows what's best for us, they chose to become gods themselves. Genesis 3, 3 through 5 explains. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you, and you must not touch it or you will die. This is the best part. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the sin that happens when Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit, which again is the sin that we all make, is they choose to become gods themselves. Not that they can actually become gods, but they choose to make themselves the center of the universe. That's what it means to think of yourself as a god. And so they walk away from God. They no longer need God anymore. And so the relationship is broken. And the description we're given of that is they're kicked out of paradise. They're kicked out of that place where they were living into a deep and abiding relationship with God. So, The way I see it, the first three chapters of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the world to be exactly what he wanted it to be, right? Where, for the most part, what he wants most is to live into relationship with us. That's what we see in the beginning. But then, he created these beings called humans, which are amazing and wonderful, but they have free will. And in this free will, they chose to become gods themselves. Or they chose to take matters into their own hands, causing the fall, which then caused the separation. Right? They are now pushed out of Eden. They are now alienated from the creator of the universe. Which in the end, takes from God what he wants most. Right? Oftentimes when we think about the fall, we think about it, what it does to us. But what does the fall do to God? It takes from him what he wants most. Now, Given all that's happened up to this very moment, right? Given, given the fall and given all that human beings have done. And then what happens to the world as a result of this fall, right? Because right after this story, you get the Cain and Abel story. You get Noah's Ark. You get the Tower of Babel. The world goes to hell in a handbasket basically right after that. That's just what goes on there. You would think at this point, God would see the writing on the wall or that these human creatures that he created to live in relationship with are never going to give him completely what he wants. And so would just walk away. And let's be honest. If we were to objectively sit back and go, wait a minute, why would God keep dealing with these ungrateful bunch of ding-dongs who they're never going to get it? Why would he do that? Why doesn't he just walk away? Why doesn't he save himself a whole lot of time and energy and heartbreak? Well, that's actually what makes our God so amazing. Because what we find God doing as Scripture unfolds is instead of turning his back on us as we have turned our back on him, God goes to work with this long-term plan to get us back. Which I believe is the messy, beautiful, and amazing love story that we find playing out starting in Genesis 12 and running throughout the rest of of the Bible. Or let me give you a glimpse of how I see this plan working out starting in Genesis 12. And another thing I want to point out to you, you guys notice how I don't tell too many warm and fuzzy stories up here? Have you noticed that? Anybody paying attention? Do you guys notice how I don't do that? Right. The, the reason I stay with Scripture so much, and even though, and even try to push things to a point where sometimes you get a little fuzzy eyed because you can't keep up, is because I really want you guys to get this stuff. Not only do, you, do I want you to get it on Sunday morning, I want you to be able to go out and read this stuff for yourself. And this is one of those themes that I think if you'll get it, will change the way you read Scripture. It will help you to understand and put things into context. This is how God responds to the fall starting in chapter 12 of Genesis. So check this out. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, the description that we're given in the opening part of this chapter is that God has come to this Babylonian man. We don't know why. He chooses this Babylonian man, Abram, who later becomes Abraham. And what he does when he comes to this man is he calls him to leave everything. His family, his homeland, his identity, and his life. Everything. Hey, get up. You're going to go to this land. Follow me. And what God does with this particular man, or the reason why God has chosen this guy, is God is establishing a relationship with him. And the biblical word for relationship, to a certain extent, is covenant. He is going to enter into a relationship with this man. And in the process of doing that, he is going to bless him beyond his wildest imagination, using him to create this great nation, the nation of Israel, whom God will also develop and live into relationship with, who will then be the very people that will eventually go on to be a blessing to the entire world. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Or as God's plan unfolds throughout history, Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, will be the people that God is going to use to show the rest of the world how they too can have a relationship with God. Do you see it? God starts a relationship with one person. Then he begins to expand on that with his descendants. He is creating relationship with even more people. And then God is going to use these people, the Israelites, to begin to reach out to the entire world. Exodus kind of gives us a better picture of this in 19, 5 through 6 by showing us what the Israelites are doing. It says, Now, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession out of all the nations, for the whole earth is mine. And unto me, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You notice that? You shall be a kingdom of priests. So what that means is that every single person in the nation of Israel is not just an ordinary person who is supposed to, you know, just come and worship. No, no, these people are priests. And what does it mean to be a priest? In the ancient world, it means that you're a go-between, between God and everyone else. So if God is making these people priests, then what he wants them to do is to go out and tell others about this God whom they have a relationship with. See how that works? See how that plan unfolds? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. The other thing I want you to notice is God loves us so much, he's never going to force anything on us, right? God could come into the world and force us to follow him. But what he does instead is he starts with one person. It's kind of like a virus, if you will. Starts with one person and then begins to spread to all of these people, and then eventually begins to spread to the entire world. And eventually, we're going to talk about Jesus and how Jesus fits into all of this as the ultimate revelation of God into the world. So, that is the very messy, long, strange love story that we find working itself out in Scripture after we turn our back on God or after the fall. Which ultimately reveals to us, and this is what you've got to get, that this God we serve is never, and I mean never, going to leave us or forsake us.
but as the kind of God that even when we walk away, even when we turn our back, that continues to chase after us, doing everything in his power to get us back. Do you see that? And this is not just the, this is not the Jesus story, right? This is even before then. This is what God has done. So in the beginning, creates the world the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be living in relationship with God. We choose to walk away from God. What does God do? God keeps chasing after us. He doesn't walk away. And then what we find God doing from Genesis 12 onward is he just continues to chase and continues to chase until we get to Jesus. And he gives everything. But more on that in the next couple of weeks. What I hope you see now is that there's this theme that runs throughout the Bible, which is a foundational theme that proclaims that what God wants most is a relationship with you. What God wants most is you. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you And it's my prayer that as we continue to wrestle with with some of this technical stuff, with some of this big theological idea stuff, that you will help us not only to get this intellectually, something that we have in our brain, but to help us to feel it, to know that what you want most is relationship with us. So that instead of living in fear, instead of thinking that you're distant and don't care, instead of thinking that we have to jump through hoops to get to you, we can understand that you're there and waiting for us to simply call out to you. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Lord, I want to know you more. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.